Hello, my field daisies. Today's life lesson is stop skipping the gym. Stop skipping your meditation. Stop with the negative self-talk. Stop selling yourself short. Stop living someone else's dream. Stop being a wuss and do the damn thing. All right, roll the intro music. Hello again. So today's life lesson was not my words. It was some random motivation Instagram post that I saved a year ago, but I thought it was pretty relevant, at least to me. Like it's just a lot of these life lessons are not necessarily for you. They're mainly reminders for me and how I should live my life. And yeah, I've been trying to go to the gym more, trying to meditate more, and I'm trying to do the damn thing, especially with this podcast. So today's episode is about privacy. And the reason why I want to talk about privacy, not because it's such a hot topic, uh, it, it came, it was inspired from a Shane Dawson video. So Shane Dawson's most recent video, it's not on his main channel, it's on his second channel called Shane Glosson. <laughs> it was really, really cool. So basically he does these conspiracy videos sometimes. And with this one, he invited his boyfriend and friends over to a really sketchy motel room <laughs> and told them that someone died in the room and that he had personally left clues to try to, um, you know, let them be detectives and figure out how, how the person died, etc. He gave them a black light. But this was all a ruse, actually. What the video was really about was the fact that him and his cameraman, Andrew, hid over 20 cameras inside that small hotel room. And that was what the conspiracy theory was about, is the fact that I mean, it's not even so much a conspiracy theory as something that is happening that is really eerie. And that is the fact that cameras are everywhere. And I watched this YouTube video way too late at night because it just got me up thinking because literally the cameras that were on the hotel room, you would have never known there were cameras. I mean, there's cameras that look like water bottles, that look like phone chargers, that look like tissue boxes. Literally, he got a black, you know, kind of hotel looking tissue box. And you couldn't tell because the camera lens was black as well. There's cameras and clocks. There's cameras literally everywhere. And in the conspiracy video, and of course, <laughs> the disclaimer, I guess, as well. I mean, all of this, you know, I didn't fact check this at all. This is literally coming from the video. I do have some facts coming up. But in the conspiracy video that Shane Dawson made, he talks about accounts where Starbucks, um, multiple Starbuckses have seen cameras inside their bathrooms uh, posed as phone chargers. Airbnb, which technically allows cameras to be inside the house only in common areas. So not bedrooms or bathrooms, but literally the living room, everywhere else, they're, they're allowed, people, homeowners are allowed to have cameras in their Airbnbs as long as they disclose them right? But who is to say that people don't disclose all the cameras that they have, especially with how small cameras can get nowadays? Literally, Shane bought all those cameras on Amazon. Seriously. Um, it is literally, our day and age has become the candy store for peeping toms. Um, but this notion of watching people isn't necessarily new, right? We all know about 1984, the novel by George Orwell, um, that got spurred the whole big brother thing. Um, 
But it, it even this novel was written in 1949. But it even goes further back than that, right?、Um, in media studies, we learned about the about the Panopticon, and so this is basically a type of institutional building that a philosopher and social theorist, Jeremy Benhamine, I don't know if it's Benhamine, Betham, Betham. <laughs> Jeremy, he invented it in the 18th century, and so the notion of this is it's a structure that was built around, I guess, people patrolling, or well, let me try to explain this a little better. So it's it's a circular building, right? And it was theoretically designed for prisons. That、um, it's this huge circular building with this big arena in the center, and all the rooms are open, facing each other. And there is this little watchtower in the middle, and he proposed that this could be an effective way to police and monitor criminals. And this is remember, this is the 18th century. This was before security cameras, even the whole notion of being able to watch someone remotely, like you had to physically watch people, you had to guard people face to face. But with this theory, is that he believed that the prisoners would. Monitor themselves,、um, especially because it's open facing towards everyone. But not only that, it's this—it's this singular guard, the singular guard tower that's in the middle. And oftentimes, there doesn't even necessarily need to be someone be like someone doesn't even necessarily need to be in the guard tower. It's the fact that we, the prisoners, think that there's someone in there. Is the fact that they will kind of monitor their behavior, right?、Um, And nowadays, even if you're alone, you're not truly alone, right? You always have your phone on you, which is listening to you is what it sometimes feels like. You have all of these home devices now,、um, Google Home, Alexa, etc., and even your laptop. Like the laptop that I'm recording this podcast now has a camera that is directly facing me that anyone could hack into theoretically at any time. Um, there's this really interesting、uh, HP campaign right now、um, that targets Gen Z with their webcam security kill switch, right? So there's it's this ad and it's super.、Um, I don't even know what to. It's very hipstery. The colors are very fun and poppy, but it's basically people doing silly things、um, in front of their camera, but like stuff that you would do on your own, right? Like、uh, I don't know, dance silly or put Cheetos up your nose, <laughs> whatever.、Um, the whole campaign is based off the fact that you can act as silly as you want、um, because there's this webcam kill switch. Their chief marketing officer,、uh, Vikrant Batra. I do apologize if I said your name wrong.、Uh, he said that a lot, a lot of work was done、uh, with insights globally, and that's really what drove this platform of trust and privacy. That was the whole purpose of this commercial. I mean, the laptop that they featured. I mean, it does a lot of other cool things, like being able to flip、um, completely 360, etc., etc. But they really wanted to focus this particular commercial on the webcam kill switch, which is really interesting because that seems like such a small feature. Right, compared to all the other cool high techy things that the laptop could do, but it's just it's just a testimony of what people are really caring about, you know. And another thing, interesting thing, I thought about the campaign was he said that they shot it essentially by just rolling the camera in front of the cast for thirty six hours, thirty six hours,、um, which meant that they got comfortable in front of the camera and decided to just be themselves,、um, contortions and all. 
That is interesting. I am wondering how true that is. I wonder how much creative direction the cast and actors actually really had and what was actually directed of them. But I digress. Back in terms of this talk about privacy. So yeah, I another reason why I wanted to sort of bring this all up is because of sponsored advertisements, right? I just I just had a little thought in my head of everyone always hates it so much, but it, I, I had this conversation with, it wasn't even a conversation, it was like this exchange between me and my brother. Um, we were watching a YouTube video and an ad on my YouTube profile popped up like it was under my youtube profile and he was like oh wow you you get really weird ads on youtube and i was like what do you mean and he's like well all i get are sort of like i was like what kind of ads do you get and he's like i get sort of like gaming ads or you know gaming equipment or technology ads blah blah blah, blah. And i just found that extremely interesting I, like, I am so curious to know what other people's advertisement experiences are and, and, and I do think privacy is much needed, but in terms of playing devil's advocate, right, I kind of would almost prefer to have ads tailored to me. Like, I hate to say this out loud because I know now I'm probably going to get... Anyway, I'm going to get ads anyway, but like I've literally bought stuff off of Facebook ads. Like, um, I was looking at suitcases for a really long time, right? countless of websites on Black Friday, etc. Looking up what's the best suitcase, what's the most stylish suitcase, etc. And then I ended up getting a Facebook pop-up ad um, of a company that I'd never even heard of, never even seen in Google search when I was looking for companies. And it was really cool. What sold me on their uh, luggage uh, is the fact that it is made from recycled or ocean-bound plastic. Oops, I just hit my mic. Ocean-bound plastic, right? And the it's 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 really ingenious of the design because they and it's i mean i'm sure you could diy this but they have this built-in rack system so basically you can store your clothes um in these little rack compartments and then then the, the, the little rack compartment it's almost like one of those like um accordion things that you can like hang in your closet to hold stuff that will like extend out and you can hook onto the outside of your luggage and i thought that was so cool I've only used it once, I gotta say, um, and the one time that I used it, I definitely overpacked it, so it was a bit hard to close, but I am excited to take it to Europe this summer and uh, see how it works. Uh, highly recommend it. They also gave me like a free fanny pack as well with some reusable metal straws in them, which I literally keep in my purse now. Like, I love this company. It is everything I stand for. I love um, companies that think about the environment, that think about... Um, sustainability and reusing etc um so it was the perfect moment for me and it's so controversial i guess that it came from facebook right um because if it wasn't for that facebook ad i would have never known about the company um i literally like my backpack is from them i don't even just i don't just have a suitcase from them like my backpack that i use for school um it comes from them i think their company is called soul guard or something like that if you want to check them out that can be my sincere shout out of this podcast episode but yeah i just I, I don't know i think there is a fine line right there's always always a fine line um side note um i was when i when i think about fine line um I, I followed the hashtag fine line on Instagram. This is completely off topic, <laughs> on topic, I guess. Um, I, I follow the hashtag fine line on, on 
Instagram. I've been following it for like a couple years now because I like fine line tattoos, right? Um, this tattoo artist named Dr. Wu, I think he's the one that really started these really delicate single needle tattoos and he hashtagged fine line. And so I just did that so I can you know, constantly see really cool fine line tattoos because that's just my aesthetic. And now um, Harry Styles released an album called Fine Line. And um, for those of you who know me, I was I was and still am, honestly, a pretty avid One Direction fan. Um, but I just think it's so funny because um, after the band broke up, I never really kept up with each of them individually, personally. Um, but now, because I followed the hashtag fine line, now that hashtag is getting littered with um, uh, One Direction Harry Style fan accounts, right? I just think it's so... I, I, still, I still follow the hashtag, but now it's just for different reasons to keep up with Harry Styles, which, by the way, his new album is pretty freaking dope. He's a great artist. Love it. Definitely check it out. Um, but yeah, it's sort of that thing is that like, I, I, I follow things because I'm interested in it. Right. And and when I'm thinking about buying something, I'm the type of person that is, I'm sort of a seeker, right? I have to read all the reviews. I have to look into other people's opinions about it. Um, but when I'm doing my research, I, I can honestly say I never go past the first Google page, right? Google literally gives you a billion results in one second. And I literally never go past the first page. It's crazy. So when I get an ad that actually is really nice and really targeted, it, it, it feels great, right? It's like, oh, wow, I never would have known about this if I wasn't pushed an advertisement. And I gotta say that doesn't happen very often, right? Ads are very pervasive. They're really annoying. For example, literally just seconds before I started hitting record on this podcast, I was procrastinating and like got sucked into watching a Facebook video. Um, and it was just, um, it was this um, comedy sketch and then an ad popped up and it was an ad for My Doll, right? My Doll is sort of, a, um, it's not sort of, it's literally a kind of a bloating um, pill or just helps during period for cramping, etc. Um, I don't experience bloating or cramps in terms of period stuff, not to get TMI, but I do distinctly remember having a conversation with about with a friend about that because she was starting her period and we were talking about blah blah blah. Any regardless, there's sometimes there's advertisements that pop up where I'm like, how the hell did you know that without listening to that conversation? Like, is it really truly that targeted or, or, or like just how the process works, right? And so I was reading this really interesting article called Protecting Privacy in an AI-Driven World. And it's on brookings.edu. Haven't done much research into Brookings. Um, let me do that right now real quick, actually. Okay, it is literally 10 seconds later, but I wanted to tell you who Brookings was because I've never really heard of them. So the Brookings Institution is a nonprofit public policy organization based in Washington, D.C., and their mission is to conduct in-depth research that leads to new ideas for solving problems facing society at the local, national, and global level. Perfect. This is exactly what this article um, is in, is um, is evoking. So good job, Brookings. You um, definitely know what your brand is. But yeah, so this article was just talking about, um, I guess, the difficulty that governments are now facing in terms of privacy laws and how do we necessarily set a precedent to really protect users and people at large from getting 
discriminated in terms of facial technology, um, racial profiling, because, um, you know, facial recognition is, um, has, there's studies that prove that it disproportionately um, mis- misreads people of color or um, uh, disabilities, etc. Um, and not to like, and, and that is, I think, the most sugarcoating way to say it. I think I can say it in a bit more of a brash way. So please, I do apologize if, the, if this offends you. But I think people with darker features, like literally African-Americans or, you know, people that have darker skin tones, um, it's harder to read your face, right? With white people, no offense, or people with lighter skin, it's just, for some reason, it's just easier. And I'm not trying to bring race really into it. If you just think about when you try to use uh, your face ID at night or um, something like that, it, sometimes it, it works a, a little bit less well, lesser, lesser, less well than what you would do when you're in the daylight, right? It takes a, a little bit longer for it to register. And so if you can just think in that notion and think about, um, you know, African-Americans or black people are disproportionately um, racially profiled and, and disproportionately in um, uh, correctional in facilities, etc., in jails, prisons, whatever, and the fact that this technology might potentially be used in the court of law when um, misunderstandings and stuff already happen, it, it is just scary, right? And that is that is that is even just a just one example. There are so many examples of privacy issues. For example, Facebook. Literally, um, just this week, there was an article about Facebook where they agreed to pay a five hundred and fifty million dollar privacy settlement. Um, they're into Illinois. Um, so there are these three guys in Illinois, and uh, their cases just all kind of became one case. Um, um, but basically. Facebook broke Illinois' strict biometric privacy law that allows people to sue companies that fail to get their consent before harvesting consumers' data, including facial and fingerprint scanning. So Illinois has extremely, apparently, uh, biometric privacy laws. And um, now Facebook literally has to pay um, them and then other citizens of Illinois where their uh, information was compromised uh, to to them they have to pay the, the dish amount to hundreds and hundreds of dollars etc facebook is a so much money company 550 million probably isn't it's a lot but maybe i mean there's they'll be fine they'll they'll still exist you know what i'm saying but um yeah it's it's crazy because um the reason why they got sued is because they said that Facebook never told them about the site's photo tagging system, which uses facial recognition technology to analyze photos and then creates and stores, quote unquote, face templates. Like just, just the idea of face templates is really chilling to me, but like, I'm not surprised because like I said, like I said, like I'm in terms of paying devil's advocate, like Facebook's not the only one that does this, right? I use Google Photos. Google Photos literally knows what my face looks like to a T. I can literally search my face, my, my parents' face, some of my close friends' face. Um, Apple, if I go to the photo app, I can search my face as well. It's nothing new. Um, Facebook is just the one that kind of got really caught for it. And that's sort of the whole lingo, lingo, bingo, tringo mess of a thing where, you you know, all these terms and conditions that uh, it's just it's just so garbly and technical. Right. Um, Facebook got caught on a technicality. Everyone's doing it. But Facebook got caught and now they have to pay. And 
Something that is interesting to me is that some companies opt out of selling in Illinois now because of their biometric law. So Sony, for example, refuses to sell its IBO, IBO, I guess, robot dog to Illinois residents because they say that the device's ability to behave differently toward individual people depends on facial recognition technology. And so that's really what the Brookings article was talking about is how do we balance this fine line of privacy versus innovation? Right. Um, And I think they made a couple of good points of ways we could necessarily do this. Um, And I think one of them really is data transparency. Data transparency is crucial um, to really create a harmonious uh, living and a harmonious um, balance between artificial intelligence's ability to innovate and our our ability to be protected uh, in terms of our information. Um, nowadays, the FTC operates, um, against, so the way that they do against unfair and deceptive practices in terms of privacy, right? It's all rooted in this model of consumer choice based on notice and choice, quote unquote, notice and choice, which is also referred to as notice and consent. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Every time you want to download a new software, you want to download a new app, you want to go on a new site, you have to agree to all their terms and services. And the terms and services, like, I'm just so baffled because they are so freaking long, right? Who in the world has time to read all that and also digest it? The, the, te- the, the language is so technical that no one really knows what they're agreeing to. And so consumers uh, encounter this through um, a barrage of notifications and banners linked to um, uninformative privacy policies and terms and conditions that um, we obscenely consent to, but seldom read. And that is so, so, so true. We have to we have to start ditching this model that the FTC has um, put in place. Right. We really, really need to start making laws that where individuals have access to all information relating to them. I think there's this there's this weird secret curtain where we can't necessarily see how our data is being used. It's 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 like they're in this secret sorcery room. Everyone has speculations on how it happens, but no one really understands the mechanics of it unless you're a computer science engineer or you are um a software developer or a whatever, whatever, the normal everyday average Joe and average Jane don't necessarily really know how it works. And the thing is that I, I'm getting so loud. I hope my, my sound quality is still fine, but I don't think it is that complicated. Okay. Yes, it is very technical, but I think it can be explained in layman terms. If I can take a class an undergrad called physics and music and it, it, and relate physics to music um, and for me to understand the principles of physics through music I think I don't know if that's necessarily the best example but I think understanding user data and under artificial intelligence can be explained just as easily right there's um there's all these um, infographics now and and YouTube tutorials or videos or informational. If someone wants you to know the information, I guarantee you there is an easy way to explain it. Companies just don't want to tell us because I think they're scared of what we will do. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's the bottom line. That's it. Um, and I wish... 
there were laws protecting us and I wish we were able to know how it's being used and, and being able to control how our data is used, right? Just to relate it all back to my luggage example. If I would have um, been able to see, okay, um, I searched for luggages this day and now I'm now that data is being used by XYZ research company or XYZ Google or XYZ whatever, SoulGuard in general, how is it being used? And am I able to turn it off, right? For example, say our phones really truly do listen to us and they listened into my conversation about periods with my friend. Will, is there an app that can show me that this is what happened and this is why I received that mital ad, mital, mital ad? I want to know. I want to be able to be like, oh, um, you know, instead of the learn more on an ad where it takes you to the, the, the company's homepage, why isn't it that when we click learn more that I learn how I got that advertisement? Why isn't it like, oh, you well, you're a woman who is in her mid-20s and that's why. That's why you received the ad. You know, like why, why does it have to be so secretive and so difficult? I, I really think that we need to rethink what privacy means. And this sounds so hippy-dippity or whatever, but I really think it should be in the power of the users. And it and I think we're living in the t- in a time where where things are starting to change and 50 years later, God willing, the planet is still here from all the crappy pl- pollution we have put on this earth but 50 years later I imagine we're going to look back at this time and be baffled at how much control companies have over our user data it's going to be comical it's going to be funny it's it's, it'll be um, the same as looking at 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 when they had colored bathrooms or colored water fountains it's going to be that ludicrous in my opinion Um, I truly believe that I truly believe in the future Users are going to be able to, um, whenever they install an app or they install a new hardware or software, etc., they are going to be able to see terms and conditions in a simple bullet list. It's going to be so easy an elementary school student could understand it. And users are going to be able to same as adjusting the brightness on your screen or the volume of, of your of your music. You're going to be able to adjust the different levels of information you want to get out. I truly think this is going to happen. I truly think that um, there's going to be more transparency in terms of how our data is being collected. Um, And I think there's going to be a lot more controllability when it comes to our digital world. Um, But yeah, Um, That's pretty much the podcast today. Uh, And of course, um, this change is not going to come easy. This change is not going to come fast. But I I really think that's where we need to be headed. And I I think slowly but surely we're going to get there. So yeah, uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, my cat is jumping on my table and I can see her wanting to play with all of my wires. So <laughs> love y'all. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Hope you have a daisy day. Ooh, ooh, ooh.